studio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <The> studio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Young Black Suburban. I'm here with another guest, uh, a guy that I've known a long time. I actually just recently, uh, I will say within the last year, heard his story before he got a chance to tell it to me. Uh, Bayshon Davis, how you doing, Bayshon? I'm good, I'm good. I'm glad to be here, finally. Cool. Me and Bayshon go way back to other, another gym uh, that we used yeah. to train at. <laughs> um, and now he's uh, helping me with, you know, my kids' class. Uh, you know, he has some people that come to the gym and take classes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's doing this thing. How you doing, Bayshon? I'm good, I'm good. I'm feeling blessed. Bayshon slash Sean. I yeah. mean, I, I just yeah. want to... I, I call you Bayshon because that's... That's what you know me by. Yeah, yeah, And that's yeah. fair. That's fair. That's fine. Bayshon, Sean, either one is, is fine. Um, I go a lot of lot mostly by Sean, but for the people who know me for a while and whiles, you know, Bayshon is suitable. Right. All right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're not from around here. No. Um, where are you originally from? I'm originally from Jersey. Um, born and raised Trenton, New Jersey. Um, between... Was raised between Willenboro and Trenton and PA, so bounced back and forth a lot from Willenboro and Trenton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how was life growing up over in uh, New Jersey? Uh, for me, it was a, it was a little rough on all the boards, you know. Um, it, so I will say I, I want to preface this by saying that you know my guardians, my parents did what they they made the steps necessary or they took the steps that they thought were necessary the best steps to raise me and my siblings so I will preface that by saying that however it wasn't all peaches and cream you know what I mean um we grew up rough we grew up in a struggle it was the hood you know um and with that being said with you know with growing up in the hood there are um effects and consequences of being products of that um and so everything wasn't always peachy and cream my mom worked a lot you know um seven kids Mm. um i'm the oldest of seven on her side i'm the oldest of five on my dad's side so you know there was a lot of us um in the mix so to say and uh, my mom she did what she had to do so she worked a lot to take care of us and then sometimes we also had you know my cousins staying with us at, at certain times and everything like that i'm trying to do the math real quick you said that you were the oldest of seven. Mm-hmm. On my mom's side. On your mom's side. Mm-hmm. And the oldest of five. So, four, well, there's five of us, and I'm the oldest on my dad's side. So, how many total? Oh, total. <laughs> All right, so, and total is ten of us. Ten kids, yeah. and you are the oldest? No, actually, I'm lying. So, six. Seven, eight, nine, ten. There's eleven of us. So you have eleven siblings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, ten. I'm the eleventh. You're the eleventh one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, but so in in age range, where you, where do you fall? I'm the oldest. The oldest out of all of them. Everybody. So you got ten siblings mm-hmm. younger than you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How was that responsibility growing up? Oof, that was that that was. So it's a love hate kind of situation. So. um Obviously, as a kid, as a teen, you want to go out and you want to live like a teen. You want to be able to have certain freedoms and privileges that being a kid and a teen have. Right. Um, and I, fortunately, I wasn't granted with all those privileges because, you know, as the oldest, there is a standard that, you know, you have to live up to as the oldest. You're the one who has to take care of everybody, make sure that everybody's good, make sure we're eating, mm-hmm. uh, make sure they're ready for school, ready for bed. 
um, things like that. So it, I, it, there's there, growing up, it was a love hate relationship because one, it made me closer to my siblings, right. but at the same time, it it, it took away certain freedoms that. Um, in hindsight, or or even in in the process, you know that I wish I had, right? Right. So like I'm like, oh, can I go out and hang out with my friends or do this, that, and the third? Well, no, you got to stay home because you got to watch your brothers and sisters. You got to do this. You got to make right. sure they're good. So uh, it, it was a love hate relationship, but I will say it, it because of that, it's me gave me given me the bond that I have with my siblings that right. I do have now. Good, um, and that must have been hard on your parents, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. You know. Um, did you live in the household with both your parents? No, so I lived in a household with my mom and my stepdad. Okay. Um, my my father, my biological father, he was oh, he wasn't really in the picture growing up. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Um, and financially, I mean, five, ten, seven, don't matter how many kids. I mean, that's got to be hard on you. Mm -hmm. um, you growing up in the in, in the inner city, I guess you can call it. Mm -hmm. um, did did you see that, you know, uh, shit, this is hard on my mom and, and, and you might not have everything that you want to have? Like, mm -hmm. Is that how you, you remember growing up? Absolutely. That's, the, that's one of the key things that I, don't, that I remember growing up, you know, um, the fact that um, we couldn't have everything. So, like, we, we, there were, we had to ration out what we had. And that's just not with clothes and shoes and everything like that or like the latest game systems or whatever like that because my mom did what she could to upkeep it mind you she did have my stepdad to help right, out right. so they had they, they did have both of their incomes and they did what they could to keep us up you know mm -hmm. up in the latest or whatever so to say but um there were times when we was rationing on food you know right, what i mean right. there were times where you know i wanted a certain toy or a certain pair of sneakers or something mm -hmm. and couldn't get it because just the funds wasn't right. the, the funds weren't there so there were times that um you know it, it happened and then there were other times where things it was good you know right. it was it was good um but it was rough I, I i do know i don't think growing up i ever saw it like Oh damn! My mom's struggling. My my stepdad's struggling. Like we were. I don't think I ever ever saw it like that. I think what I saw it as was just from a kid's perspective. Like, you know, where the hell are my parents at? Like, like you know, I don't. I didn't. I didn't understand what they were going through at the time right, right, right. until I became an adult. Yeah, yeah. But it was yeah. But it was rough. It was, for me at, from a kid's perspective. It was rough. What about being a student? How were you as a student? Um, in school, yeah. like in school or college, like. Well, school. I was, I was, a, I was good. At, I was a good student. I got <laughs> usually I got A's and B's for the most part. I, right. I think where I start falling down was uh, seventh grade. Seventh grade. <laughs> when I start hitting that. Uh, dick. Uh, yeah, what, what happened in seventh grade that made you uh, feel like that was the. The, 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 the start of the roller coaster. I mean, I think because I, I got a taste of power. Um, I got a taste of what it was like when people respected you, uh, I think, so out of fear and not love. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I got a taste of um, what could be if I continued on the path that I was going. So at seventh grade is when I started getting into fights more. Um, I, 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 was, I, I learned about cutting. You know, um, and I was just, and I hung out with a group of guys who just kind of learned like about cutting, big me up, cutting, cutting class. Oh, all right, I'm like, <laughs> there's a couple of cuts that came to my mind. No, 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 no. Right. So cutting class, though. Right. So I was in seventh grade. I was introduced to uh, yeah. 
a lot of you know the high school stuff, the the teenager stuff. Um, and so that I, I, that's why I say it was the downclassing because not only did I give a, a, a sense and a taste for you know what that brought in and of itself, I also got a taste of what it was like when people respected you and your your name was known and mm-hmm. people really you know really really either feared you or loved you. It was yeah, either yeah. one of the two. So that kind of fed your ego at a young mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember getting in trouble cutting? Or Absolutely. Remember, how did your parents react to that? They had a lot of kids to, mm-hmm. to worry about. Now, mm-hmm. was it something where you got disciplined or was it something where they were busy? Nah, so they definitely, whenever they could or whenever they found out, I should say. Yeah, it was definitely a discipline. Um, and I think that also had a lot to play in um, my restrictiveness as a kid. So like, Whenever I did get caught, it was like I got grounded or, you know, back in the day, they believed in whooping. Right, so they right, t- right, whoop right, your right. ass. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they believed in that stuff. So, um, yeah, I did get disciplined. It, it was discipline where when uh, when I can't even say when needed because I didn't get caught all the time. But when they caught me. Right. Yeah. I, it was, there was always discipline. Yeah. So at some point um, you start hanging out with the wrong crowd. and. Mm-hmm. and this is where a serious part of your life, you know, mm-hmm. um, starts, mm-hmm. uh, you know, happening. Uh, you got introduced to gang culture. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember how that came about? Absolutely. So um, this is a time. I, so at this time, it was really, really um, traumatic and turmoil in the house. You know what I mean? So like, um, so my mom and dad, my, my, my mom and my stepdad, they were going at it. And again, as I said, as by default, they were they, they were neglectful in ways. So because they had to work constantly to make sure we had a roof over our head, to make sure we had food and to make sure all of that stuff, you know, they by by extension, they were neglectful because they couldn't be around the important times um, that it felt like. So they were there at some points in times, you know, like one or two school dances or whatever, but then like the other important times they couldn't be there because they were either working or sleeping because they had to go to work. So by extension, they were neglectful, maybe not intentionally, but they were, they were neglectful by extension. And so because of that, that love and affection and acceptance that I was seeking for inside the house that I couldn't find inside the house is where I found, yes, is where I found it in the street. So every day I would walk to school and I would see this group of guys hanging out on the corner and just the unity amongst them, the way they even accepted me before I became one of them. You know what I mean? They would always say, what's up to me? They'd be like, yo, what's going on? Because they knew one of my best friends. Um, And that's actually how I got introduced to them through my best friend in eighth grade. Um, So... Um, they would always say, what's up? You know, they make sure I, if I had, a, if I needed a couple dollars or whatever, they would what make sure were, I had what it. Were, what were they doing at that time? When you, did you know that they were in activity when you were walking by in eighth grade? No. So I just thought they was like a guys hanging out. So I, to be honest, I knew nothing. I was 14 at the time. Right. I was naive as hell. I knew nothing, nothing about gang life, nothing about guns, selling drugs. I knew none of that. You know what I mean? I was like, I was very sheltered growing up in the sense that, again, I couldn't do a lot. So I was always in the house taking care of them or on punishment. Right. So I, I didn't know a lot about the stuff that they were doing. All I saw was that they, they, they always had, like they were always hanging out, laughing, taking care of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I would walk by or say what's up, like, this, like one of the guys, um, I'm going to call him V to keep him safe or whatever the case may be. He would always be like, 
yo, go to school. Make sure you go to school. Make sure you go to school. Um, if you go to school, I got you. I'll take care of you. Give you some, you know, extra, extra, some, some extra money or whatever the case may be. Um, so that's how that worked out. And so walking to school every day and then coming home and then seeing them down there and then doing it repeatedly every day and seeing the same, you know, I didn't, at the time, I didn't know they were selling drugs. Yeah. I didn't know they was carrying guns. I didn't know none of that. All I saw was like, yo, I want that. You right. know what I mean? Like, I want that, that, that love. I want yeah. that, that brotherhood that I see them with. And so that's ultimately what attracted me. So then when I found out that my best friend became a part of it, then I was like, you know what? And then found out what it was. That's when I was like, you know what? And I, I, I consciously made the decision to see what all the hype was about. Um, and then uh, eventually I, uh, I joined when I was 14. Now, was there a lot of 14 year olds? I was the youngest you at the, the time. Mm -hmm. All right, so they it wasn't like oh that was an age that they targeted. That no. was just it just so happened mm -hmm. to be right. So mm -hmm. at, at at some point, uh, you realize that wow, I, I mean, there's some other shit going on. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. When did you realize? And it had to be quick. When you when did you realize that whoa, I, I, there's some other things going on. There's a different world here. Um. I mean, I think I realized, you're right, I think I realized it fairly quick. I don't think I, what the difference is, is I don't think that I realized the negative consequences of the actions until later on. Right. Right. Until so, you had to go through it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and exactly, you're absolutely right. I had to go through it. So, even then, in the beginning, like, there was never really any significant major kind of problems going on. So, like, it didn't really get thick and heavy until I was, what, 18 or 19? That's when I really started to see shit well, hit the fan. What were you doing in between, you know, 14, 18? Were you, were you what, uh, selling dime bags? Or yeah, like, so uh, nickels and dimes. Um, so, I was obviously, I was introduced to hustling at the time. I was selling, like, nickels, like nickel, but weed. Like, I never really dealt with right, anything, right. like... Crazy. It was just always. It was just selling like nickel and dime bags of weed because that's what I knew. That seemed like the easiest. I knew a, a bunch of people who smoked or whatever the case may be. Um, and I didn't really know shit, nothing, anything else about the other stuff. Right. So uh, like I knew weed because everybody smoked. Right. Um, and so um, I was introduced to, to to that, and that's what I was doing. But outside of that, really. Hanging out, going to parties with, with with the others like in my age range, hanging out with girls, drinking, really just partying, partying and having fun right. at, uh, up until you know things when, when I started to see a while whole different side of the life. Yeah, while while still going to school. Nice, not um, nice, but <laughs> I don't mean nice, but still doing it, yeah, juggling yeah, 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 it too. I, nice I get what you're saying. Juggle, yeah, yeah. Um, and. You know, did your parents ever notice, uh, you know, you were coming home with a little bit more money? Uh, did they ever notice that uh, you were out a little bit changing, doing different things? It was mm -hmm. never brought to your attention that they were worried? Nah, nah. Um, I mean, maybe, but from what I remember, nah, it was never like that. Because even at this time, when, even when I joined, my, like I said, my mom and my stepdad, they were going through stuff. They, right. they were, it was like the beginning phase of their divorce. Right. So um, he wasn't in the house. It was just my mom and then all the kids and then whoever else was there. Um, so like it, it, and then my mom, like as long as I, I feel like 
I feel like for my mom, because we never really sat down to have this con- have to have this conversation. But I feel like as my mom, if for her, as long as she knew that I was safe yeah. and that I was taken care of, I don't think it really mattered to right. her. Now, now that now, mind you, these are my own opinions. Yeah. However, I feel like as her oldest son, I feel like as long she knows, as long as I was safe and I wasn't out like doing anything too too crazy or right. nothing like that to get in trouble. Um, I think as long as she knew that I was safe and that I was taken care of, she was okay with that. Right. Now, did you have to do some kind of initiation? I did. Uh, yeah. So the, the initiation was a little different, though, because it wasn't a jumping initiation like right. most gangs. So the initiation, um, it was you come in, you know, they talk to you. Um, it's, you know, you, you say why you're here, why you wanted to be a part of it. And then there's this whole, like, step of a process where it's like you go through a, a rigorous process of studying um, and then they question you and then you, so then you get blessed in after that, if you pass it. So it's a blessing rather than a jumping. So they say a prayer mm-hmm. and you get initiated. In a, Pretty much. Yeah. And you have to study. Yep. So who was, but most gangs you got to study for though. You got to know the history. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You got to know the history. It's just how, how you, how, how they approach it. But if you ask anybody in the gang, they, they there's some studying involved because you have to know your history. Right. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have someone that was like your commander or higher up? I did. I had a, um, there was a whole chain of chain line of command, and so I th- I think one of the 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 I I I don't know if I can say ironic, but I think one of the things about me why I was attracted at such a young age because I was vocal. You know, I was knowledgeable. I I I knew how to speak. You know what I mean? And so I held a position at a very young age. I think the earliest I got a position was, I think it was at 15. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you end up getting in some real serious trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah, you yeah. Know, one night something happened um, mm-hmm. and it changed your life. You want to touch on? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, that's part of the one solely one of the reasons why we're here. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, well, I'm I'm just <laughs> I'm giving you the, the, the I'm passing you the ball. Yeah, yeah. So all of that led up to now we had earlier we was talking about. Um, you know how was it like in the beginning or whatever the case, and so as I told you before. It was mostly party and everything up until, you know, we started getting into rival gang beef, right? And so that's when things started to get serious. That's when shit started hitting the fan. You know what I mean? So then it's now it's no longer about partying and having fun with these people and, you know, these brothers. Now it's about, okay, we got beef. We got to handle this. Let's go. Right. And so with that, there's always been a, a, a sense of loyalty with me. I like I'm that type of person. You know, once you got me, you got me until yeah. you disrespect me or mess it up. Right? So if my brother got beef, then I got beef. Simple as that. Right? So we started beefing with a rival gang. Um one night we was all at a party. Uh we were, we were drinking, um, smoking. It was just a whole it was a party. Yeah. We was kids at the time. We was teens. So um the party ended. We went over to the gas station where everybody was getting gas because we were going to go to a hotel party afterwards because nobody wanted the party to end. Um, we saw, well, I was in the car at the time because, mind you, one of the rival gang members prior to this one, the, the guy who we encountered this night, one of his crew had shot me previously in my in my leg in a whole other altercation, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
Um, so, but he had also shot at me at a different altercation. And so now at this point in time, so in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm like, well, these dudes know me. They know, like, you, they know I don't play. Like prior to all up until this, even the beef that we had with this, with this gang, like I wasn't involved with it until they made it personal. Mm-hmm. Once they made it personal is when I got involved. Right. And so, um, me getting shot is part of that equation and everything like that. So we, I was inside the truck with my girlfriend at the time, and then two of my boys came there like, yo, this dude's in the gas station. What do you want to do? And we all strapped at this time. So, you know, I'm thinking, and I'm like, should I or should I not? You know, so that, that split moment that happens, but then I think about all the ways that they just disrespected me like in the past weeks coming. And I'm like, you know what? Now nah, I'm not going to let this shit slot, mm-hmm. right? So, mind you, I'm drunk. I'm off coke at this point in time. Like, all types of shit, bro. Like, it's just crazy. Um, so I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. Boom, let's get out. So we got out, me and my co-defendant, and then we start shooting at oh, <laughs> We start shooting at him. And, um, and then um, one thing led to another. Everybody skirted away. Um, then the cops, uh, the cops came. We all, everybody went their own way. This was on a Saturday. That following Monday is when they came. They came. They blocked off our whole street. They came. Once they finally got to our door, they came um, and asked for me and my co-defendant, asked if we lived there. At the time, we were renting out a room from a friend. Um, she said, yeah, um, they live here. Um, they let her, She let them in. They came up, and they just raided our room, locked us up, and that's how we got locked up. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened up until the point where, you know, I got locked up and then I ended up, so I ended up from all of that, after all was said and done, I ended up with a sentence of six with an 85, but ended up doing, and ended up doing five years and like a little bit of change, like five years, four months, like two days or something like that. What were you charged with? Um, at, so all, I was charged with 14 counts all together, but what I ended up doing, what well, I ended up, um, copping out, um, and essentially, with that, it just means that I ended up taking a plea deal for um, the six for the eighty-five, um, and then I ended up doing the five years, five, five, five years, years of some change. Five years away, mm-hmm. and and that is a whole. I can, we're going to talk about that for like ten minutes now. Yeah. Um, how old were you when you went in? So I was nineteen, going on twenty, or I had just turned twenty. Yeah, I was nineteen, going on twenty. And. You know, you, you get locked up. That was your first time, or you've been locked up before? So that was my first serious, serious time. So I was, in, I, I, I did a month in the youth house for like a little fight that I got into back when I was younger. Um, and again, I didn't even, I, I didn't even realize I would get locked up for that. It just so happens to, I was protecting myself. But in the event of me protecting myself from the fight, um, I, I, I used a weapon, and because I used a weapon. Is why they had to is why they had to lock me up to get to back the guy off. So essentially, it was a coffee pot. So yeah, yeah it was a coffee pot. Yeah. So I got into a fight and there was a bunch of dudes. They was trying to they were trying to jump us in the bakery or whatever. So to back the guy up, well, I was fighting him, but he just wouldn't stop coming. And mind you, I'm fighting a grown man at the time. I'm I'm 15 fighting an adult. So um, he just kept coming, and then I, I just, the only way I knew how to back him off was just to grab something and smack him with it. So I grabbed the first thing because we were in the store, which was a coffee pot, mm-hmm. and so I ended up doing a month in the youth house for that. But prior to that, I mean, like traffic stuff, you know, I ended up having to go down to you know the yeah, municipal yeah. building, but I never had anything serious, serious, serious up until the first time I was incarcerated right. for a, an adult charge. Right. Um, how old were you? Nineteen, going on twenty. 20. And so you're there, you're like, damn, mm-hmm. 
I got five years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? How was that first night? Um, I think so. The first night was surreal because obviously it spent it in the count um, in the precinct because they had to question us and everything like that. Um, so the first night was surreal. I, I didn't really think too much about it because at this point in time, I'm thinking they have nothing on me. You you understand what I'm saying? Like there, there's no evidence. They have no weapon. They have no you know. In, they have no um, witnesses or anything like that. So I'm thinking it's a it's a clear-cut case. It's, it's, it's open and closed type of deal. I might stay here for a little bit or whatever the case may be, but mm-hmm. um, that's it. So this is my young street gang mind thinking. You get what I'm saying? So I'm like, it's not the me thinking of, you know, take accountability, accept this. It's me like, okay, I'm still in the streets at the time. Like, right. it, I'm not worried about, you know, anything more than maybe a week or two. So the first night, it was like kind of surreal because it, it unbelievable in a sense because I'm like, damn, it's really happened. But the crazy part is, though, so I had a dream that I was going to get locked up the same way that I got locked up the night that the party happened. That was the crazy part. Right. So we're going to talk, you know, about the jail more. But were you in school when you got locked up? So I was actually. Right. I was. I was. Um, so at the time. So I wasn't in like high school. Because I had, at this time, I had already graduated. Right. Um, but I was in um, National Massage Therapy Institute school. So it was kind of like, I was in school, but I, but I wasn't. Trying to get a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out what the hell I wanted to do yeah, in my yeah, life. Yeah. yeah, at the time. Right. So you're in, you know, you're, you're, you finally go to uh, the main jail where you're going to be. How is jail life? Uh, I mean... Not where I want to be, I can tell you that. <laughs> I can tell yeah, you that, bro. You know, there's a lot of kids out there that don't know. Um, they think that it's sweet. They think that yeah. they can go out there and, and get drunk mm-hmm. and, and do things and that there won't be um, these consequences. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, we got somebody right in front of us that mm-hmm. can explain, like, that's not a place where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Um you was in the cell, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how how is it? <laughs> it's not fun. I mean, the well, cell. I know that. The cell's not fun, bro. The cell, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you straight up. I'm gonna tell you real. Like, I'm not, I'm gonna take the fate. I'm gonna take the the public me off for a second. Right. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. This shit is for the birds, bro. <laughs> it's for the birds, and I tell people that all the time. You know why? Because you have you 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 legitimately have to go to sleep. Wake up, eat piss and shit when another grown-ass person tells you to. Bro, that is not my life, bro. Right, right, right. For, since I've been 14, I've been, since the age of 14, I've been living on my own. No no one has had the authority to tell me what the fuck to do, bro. And, and I don't care. As a teen, they haven't. You get what I'm saying? My mom, my grandmother don't even talk to me some of the ways that some of these CEOs would, would talk to me and treat you. Mm-hmm. Bro, this shit is for the birds, bro. Right, right. And to be honest... Like, I the it, it's it's being in jail that has kept me from going back. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I never want to live that life, bro. I don't. I like so so the first night, as I said, it was surreal. But as the shit starts settling in, you get what I'm saying. And I'm thinking, and I'm like, this is this the type of life that you really want to live? Like, do you want to keep going through this, bro? Like, and but it's crazy to think about it though, because like, like. I, my, me personally, my my jail sentence it wasn't that hard because I feel like it, it is what you make it. Right. You get what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot of people going there and make that shit hell for themselves. But then there's people who go in there and they know what to do. I was one of those people who went in there and knew what the, knew that I didn't want to come back. Right. Going into my full sentence, once I was sentenced, I knew that I didn't want to come back. 
whatever what I knew that I wanted to get back to my family and I knew that I want to go to college. Those were the two goals that I had mm-hmm. going in there. I wanted to make I wanted to change so myself. Already before you started your full sentence, you knew that you you was already oh, yeah. rehabilitating yourself at that Absolutely, time. absolutely. Cause I knew I wasn't going back. And but the thing is the county got me that way. Because I did two years in the county before I even got sentenced. You know what I mean? And the county is rough. The county is a hell of a lot rougher than prison, mm-hmm. especially Mercer County. Okay, that's Mercer. Yeah, that that that's, that that shit is way worse than prison. So <laughs> I I knew going in there that I was like, you know what, this ain't for me. But the first night it was surreal. But as the nights went going on, and I realized, and it starts to settle in how real this shit is, bro. It, there's there was like at least not for nothing. There was at least like. Three or four nights where I legit cried myself to sleep because I'm like, damn, this is real. It yeah. started to set in. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? And like, but, but I, I'm not the toughest motherfucker in the world, but I could, I know how to defend myself. You right, get what I'm right. saying? And like, at the end of the day, it wasn't. A, it's not about. It's not about toughness. It's about my freedom. That's what it was, bro. At the end of the day, it was. It was about my freedom. Yeah, getting back and, and um. No, my freedom being taken away. Well, that's that's what, what hurt yeah, me yeah, the yeah. most. Um, what I was saying is like your motivation was to get back and do mm-hmm, good, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you know you're in there. Uh, eventually, though, you you accept it that you know you, you're not getting out until mm-hmm. this shit is over. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of things did you do? Did you did you study while you were in there? Did you mm-hmm. you know train? What, what was like a daily regimen? So. So, as I mentioned, I already knew going in that two of my goals going in was that I, I, I wanted, once I got out, I wanted to go to college because college was always on the agenda, even before prison. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was always something that I knew. I had, I had made a promise to myself that I was going to be the first male in my family to, to graduate from college. Mm-hmm. I, well, I said I was going to be the first male in my family to graduate from high school, then graduate from college, but my uncle beat me to that. He graduated from <laughs> high school. <laughs> he graduated from high school. But I was the first one to graduate from a four-year college with a double major good, good, um, good. and with honors. Right, you nice. get what I'm saying? So, um, um, but anyway. Well, we so, won't talk about that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. But that's why I was going back. That's so the timeline. <laughs> so, um, so going in, those were my two goals. To ch- well, well, actually, I had three. So to change, to to change, so that I wouldn't have to come back, to make it back, because at the time I had only had two kids, my two oldest, which was my oldest girl and my oldest boy, to make it back to my kids and to go to college. Those were my three goals. So going in, every decision that I made, going from that point on, it was towards one of those goals right. or all three. You get what I'm saying? So the first thing I did was I enrolled in college classes because you could take college classes. In the county, you can't do all of that. Mm-hmm. But in the county, I started preparing myself. So I became a teacher's aide in the county. Okay. Um, I worked as a teacher's aide. Um, I became the president of... Um, so my t- the, the guy who I was a teacher's aide for, he also ran two different clubs. So one was um, Toastmasters International, which is a public speaking club. It's universal. Um, and then another one is a stock market class. So um, when I learned about the Toastmasters International, I signed up for that and I got in that and I was in that all the way until I became the president all the way until I left. So I eventually became the president of that club. Um, And then I also took the stock market class. So I learned about the stock market. So those were the things that I did, you know, in the county that I could do. And then also I just stayed out of trouble. So I, I got different books sent up to me um uh one of the one one of the definitely one of the good ones was the bible because it helped me it helped me clear my mind of all the negative stuff and it helped me focus on what was important Mm -hmm. and i think that's the one good thing about you know 
developing a spiritual grounding while in there because it helped me see things a lot more clearly. Right. Right. Um, so that's what I did in the county. Then once I went downstate, I was I was able to get college classes. So then I, I took college and then I can just continue to do a lot of self-help and a lot of um, meditation and um, spiritual like spiritual readings. So I, I, I got a bunch of different spiritual books. I, did, I got a lot of self-help books mm-hmm. that worked on the mind. Right. The mind, this has always fascinated me. Right. So um, I, I, a lot of things that work with the mind and the spirit. That's what I focused on a lot while in there right. because were that you, I felt there, uh, meditating. And yeah, yeah. Yep. I was, I was do, bro in the county. I was meditating. I was doing yoga. Right. There was one point in time, bro. People thought it was weird. Right. But that's one thing that I can say about me is because I didn't let the prison experience alter me in a negative way. Right. I used it for a positive way. Yeah, yeah. So, bro, there was one time I was in the, in the county. I was doing yoga and by then I was doing it every day consistently up until this point. So it became a point where people get curious, you know, they might tease or, or, or have some kind of remarks, but I didn't let that stop me from developing and growing as myself because I knew I didn't want to come back. So I I would do yoga one night. I was doing yoga, like my regular routine. I had one of the guys come over and ask about it. He started talking and then he started doing it. Few of his guys came over, his boys came over, and next thing you know, we got, it's a whole group of ten or twelve right. of us doing it. Right. You get what I'm saying? But it took for me to be the leader to right. do that for the other people to be, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Get it? So that's the type of stuff that I was doing um, in there. I also started um, a group uh, where we focused on specific skills that we wanted to have growing out. So like one of the things that we focused on was negotiating skills, right? So in this little focus group that I had started up, we would each take a part in like the negotiating thing or whatever the case may be and then be like all right so these are skills that we wanted to work on pick a scenario and then negotiate the scenario and so we helped each other we helped build each other in that way by focusing on those skills so those are just the different types of things that i did while i was locked up but it it, one it helped me stay out of the bulls bs because i could have been out there playing cards or gossiping with everybody else and then getting into some bull also played chess too so that was another pastime But, you know what I mean? So, like, I did things that I knew eventually was going to help me once I got out. Right. That's what I did with my time. So, you had a week left, and you knew you was getting out. Mm Mm-hmm. How's that last week? (laughs) Oh, man. Is it it the longest week, or do you you remember? Well, my case was a little... I, I, I will say my case was a little different because... So, in order for you to understand why, you got to understand how I got here. So, my boss, who I was a teacher's aide for. So, inside, there has something called, um, well, at the time, it was called the Mountain View Project, mm-hmm. right? Now, it's called Mountain View Community, but at the time, it was called the Mountain View Project. And what that essentially was is it was a program that followed promising men and women um, in the prison, in the prison experiences, or through their college prison experience or whatever, and, 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 and allow them the opportunity to attend Rutgers. So that's how I was able to so attend Rutgers, to Rutgers through the program, right. program. But I didn't find out about the program but until my, um, my professor, at the time my boss told me about it, because at the time, well, I think you still do, um, but at the time you had to be recommended into the program by somebody. And so when he approached me, he was like, hey, listen, um, how would you feel you know, about being... Um, uh, a, a person for you know the Rutgers for for the Rutgers program, and I was like, "What is a Rutgers program?" You know, I was I was astounded, but I was like, "Heck yeah, I want to be you know I want to I, I want that. That's what I want. That's what I'm here for." Right, right. Um, but I think because he saw the progression of growth, because you got to remember he was there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He was my teacher's aide from the like I was his teacher's aide from 
from the beginning of my damn near from the beginning of my sentence. Right. So he saw the growth. So that's what allowed him to, to to do that. But anyways, so the last year, the last week, so I was going to Rutgers from the halfway house. So that that last week, it was kind of surreal because it was like damn, this is really happening. Like, I'm really here. I stepped onto that campus. My mind was blown. Prior to that, I had only been to a campus one other time in my life. Mm -hmm. And that was when I was thinking about going to, I think it was Drew University, somewhere in North, in North Jersey. I think it was Drew. Okay. Um, outside of that, I've never been to a college campus. So, uh, like, my mind was blown. So, like, the week, it was, like, it was definitely a surreal week because it was unbelievable. But it, And it was, like, dang, am I really here? Did I really do this? But it was also, like, um, it was also like a little anxious too, because yeah. I'm like, I've just been living this one life for the past almost six years. Right. Am I ready for this? Right. You know, so there was that little bit of doubt, but um, I, it, it, I made it through. Right. And when you got released, uh, where did you get released to? So when I got released, um, I got released actually into my own house. So at the time, um, which was where? In New Brunswick. Okay. Right. So some of the other some of the other guys who were also in the program, they had already who had came out before me. They had already secured a, a house. So we always renting rooms out of this house in New Brunswick. Um, just so happens, because when I got released, I actually got released when I I spent the night in Mercer County. Um, what did what do they call it? The shelter. Because I didn't have an address because I was waiting for the address of, of the house. Mm -hmm. So when I got released, I was the whole process was still going. Right. So um, I had got released into the shelter. Like I had to check in and stay the night in the shelter for that night because when they did my release papers, I didn't have my address yet. Right. So, um, so the shelter it, was essentially your address for the night. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that and that was crazy too. Like it, that was that was surreal. But I mean, I did it. Came out, talked to my um, my parole officer, and then that's when I got switched to New Brunswick because I have my house or whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, I got released. I got released originally into the shelter, but I, I got released home. And you commuted to school or no, no, no. no. I was in New Brunswick. So that's where that's where Rutgers is. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Oh, been, oh, Rutgers is in New Brunswick. Yeah, New Jersey. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I've been to Rutgers before. Uh -huh. I just don't remember. <laughs> oh, see, I'm t and I'm sitting here talking to you like it's probably the prob the audience probably the same thing too. Yeah, so like, yeah. um, so yeah, Rutgers is in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Mercer County is in Trenton, New Jersey. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been to a football game there. And, well, and Trenton, New Jersey. Trenton is um, in Mercer County. But I can't remember where, <laughs> where, where is that. Yeah. So you know, you do all this and and. You know, you come out, you're on the other side now. But, I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, you got to get work. You got kids. Mm -hmm. You know, you mm -hmm. got to do all this. At some point, though, you found your way over to Bucks County. Mm -hmm. um, how, how did you find your way over here? Well, so, I always knew about Well, I always, I was back and forth. So, but I always knew about Trenton it. Trenton is right over. Yeah, it's the right bridge. over the bridge. So, I would always come over here because I did have friends that lived in Mooresville growing up. Okay. But not only that, my... My two oldest boys, they're, them and their mom, they live in um, the Bucks County area. Okay. So I knew of, so I was familiar with right, it. Right, so, right. and then I had like, so my, my kids, my oldest boys, I've known her since, what, junior year? So, all, and then her friends who live over here in Bucks County when we used to hang out when we were younger. So I'm familiar with the area. Right. Um, and I, don't, I, I just, once I made the transition to, um, because, 
after I graduated school, I worked for Youth Advocate Program for like three or some change. Yeah, I mean, we kind of jumped the gun because you never really told us uh, what your majors were. You said you had a double major. Mm-hmm. What one is uh, psychology or sociology? Sociology. So I double majored um, in sociology and Africana <laughs> studies. Yeah. Uh huh. And then, and then um, gra- graduated from Rutgers with that with okay. honors. And then I went actually I, I went back to school though in Monco for um, computer science with a concentration in software engineer. So- software engineer. Well, cool. yeah, so, so- software engineer. So you have two degrees. Mm-hmm. What was your next move after after that? Well, I think are you in Bucks County at this time after you have two degrees done? Or are you still in New Brunswick? No, I'm. So after I have, well, it depends on when though. Well, what, what what's the time frame? Whatever right time now? frame you want to go with. <laughs> so um, okay, so I I so I lived in New Brunswick. Was seven years after I graduated. Okay. Yeah. So I just moved from New Brunswick in 2018. How old to are PA. you? PA. I'm 34. Oh, all right. You lived a long life already. <laughs> a long one. I'm trying to live a even longer one. Is this dude 50? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. Nah. So I was. Yeah. I was there. I was there. I moved to 2018 because I graduated from Rutgers in 2016. Right. Um. Um. But I had landed the job like before I graduated. Uh, but anyways, so I moved over to PA officially for good at the end of 2018 because I was bouncing back and forth between PA and Jersey because, as I told you, my boys live out here. Right. So I was bouncing back and forth. But officially, I made the move. So I, actually, I had two addresses. So I had their addresses and I had my address in you know, New Brunswick. Um, I officially made the move to PA in 2018. Okay. Not in Bucks County, though. Right. In Montgomery County. Montgomery County. All mm-hmm. right. Well, what was out there? Uh, well, unfamiliar? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, me and my me and my best friend, we had uh, rented a condo out there. Well, so my best friend had got the condo. Originally, I was going to go with him. But then I didn't want to leave New Brunswick. But then when I finally resigned it from resigned from Youth Advocate Program, mm-hmm. I ended up going out there anyways. Right. Anyways, but yeah, so we had a condo out there. Um, and then we lived out there for, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... I decided to go out and branch out. We both decided to go out and branch out on our own because we was just tired of living, you know, with so many people. Right. Um, and then we just branched out on our own. Right. Um, so now you live in life. You're out of, uh, you know, the situation that you were in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in a good space. You, what, when, when did you come across martial arts? Um, because um, you do belong to the gym. I said you helped mm-hmm. me with the kids' class, and you mm-hmm. do... Uh, Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. When did that come into your life? So when I was 16, I, I started traditional boxing. Okay. So I did traditional boxing. Actually, I started at, I, I got my start at Goss and Goss. Goss and Goss. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Trenton. Um, so I did that from 16 to like the end of 17, beginning of 18. Everybody from Trenton says that. <laughs> like, and, and, because it's the known one. It's yeah, the one that's been around the longest. Yeah, Barry Goss and Sam Goss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not here anymore. But mm-hmm. um, when I was a professional, I used to go over there. Every, I'm like, yo, we in this little closet. You know, mm-hmm. It was in a rec center. Then they moved to the police station around the corner eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, dang, this is, this is if, you, if you're from Trenton, you got to go through yeah. Goss and Goss. Absolutely, because it, it's, it's the name. It, it, you know, we know the name. Right. I was, I, after Goss and Goss, I trained at one for a, a little bit, for like a couple months. Um, bef- and this was like right before like shit started getting heavy with, you know, the whole gang activity mm-hmm. or whatever. But it was one on, uh, I forget what the name of it. I think it was Tyler or Taylor or something like that. But it was on, um, 
Hudson. No, I'm not. So, anyways, yeah. I only know uh, Goss and Goss because I would have to go get sparring. Uh, mm. There was another guy named Muggsy. Um, he's an older white guy, still alive too. He's like 110. Um, Muggsy, I think it was his gym. So it was his, it was gym? his gym that I'm talking right, about. That right? was like when I used to go over there. That was like South Clinton, uh, but that he he moved a couple of spots. Yeah. Um, and and you know I used to you know spar with Terrence Cawthon, mm-hmm. the, the champ over there. And Terrence. I know, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know a whole bunch of you know former fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like. I'm from Philadelphia. You mm-hmm. know, you, mm-hmm. you have, anywhere in Philly, you say, "Well, I, I, you know, I was down Delaware." I'm like, mm-hmm. "Yeah." You know, <laughs> but you say something in Trenton, I'm like, ah, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. And I lived in Marsville too, but I just mm-hmm. never Trenton was just yeah. not my spot. I do know that it was it's a rough area in some mm-hmm. spots. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on who you ask, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, but coming from there and then you coming over the bridge, mm-hmm. um, to me it's two different worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and now you, you're getting into this kind of entrepreneur type of life. Mm-hmm. You know, you you went from the gang life, got your degrees, which you could use, you know, if you mm-hmm. wanted to make, but you said, nah, I, I want to mm-hmm. go and be my own boss, huh? Mm-hmm. And, and what what made you make that decision in life? So, two things. The first thing is my background. So, I was fortunate enough to have people who actually saw past that and believed in what I could do and what I could be rather than what I was. Mm-hmm. So, I was fortunate enough to have people in my corner to do that. So, every job that I had prior or, or, or after, you know, my incarceration, I was fortunate enough to have people in high positions or, or, or in the grace of God for them to be like, you know what, I see something in you. Forget what you went through. What can you do for me now? What can you do for this company now? So I was fortunate in that area. Um, I, I, I definitely attribute that to, um, well, I, I, I want to say my hard work, but I can't, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it was something external for me, right. like, you know, the universe of God. So I have to give God his, 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 his um, you know, attribution for that. So, but, so it was one, my history, and two, um, it was the fact that, you know, there are jobs that would lay you off because, you know, they didn't have work or whatever the case may be, or there are jobs that, you know, would find, um, would know about it in the beginning, but then come to find out, you know, what actually happened. And then they're like, okay, well, we didn't know it was all this. We got to let you go. So that was impetus for me because That's, I'm like... I'm sorry to cut you off. That's crazy because I asked you that question. I wasn't even thinking that it was out of necessity because of mm-hmm. your past. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, you have to be an entrepreneur in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, not. I mean, I do and I don't. Right. So I do. I do because I don't want anyone to have that power over me to be to 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 take something to take to take such a necessity from me you, and, and leave me um, both vulnerable and feeling inadequate. You get what I'm saying? So like, I don't want to give somebody that power. Right. I don't want you to be like, okay, well, you need to do this or do that, right. or else you're gonna get fired. Has there been times where that's happened to you? No, no, no. I don't think there's no. There hasn't been times, but I'm. I don't want to give anybody that. Right. That <laughs> you know. Right. Um. But there has been times where. So like, I was working for this one job, this one company, um, do, teaching computer computer tech skills. In the application, I, I mentioned, you know, my background or, you know, and everything like that. But then certain schools, like, they want you to have certain clearances. And so I didn't have, I couldn't, I didn't, couldn't get cleared by this one school. And so when they, when the, one of the founders came to me and she was like, oh, yeah, well, you didn't tell me. I'm like, 
I didn't think I needed to because I told him. He was the one who did my interview on my application. You get what I'm saying? So, like, well, if that was the case, you should take that up with him and not me because that's your partner, right? It's not like I hid it from you. Right. The, the fact that I didn't come to you and tell you out my mouth is beside the point. Right. You know what I mean? But, and then once that happened, like, I saw the job opportunities begin to diminish. Yeah. So, that was, so, it, things like that. And then the one I told you before is, uh, I'm like... Nah, I'm not giving somebody that power. You right. get what I'm saying? Because I, I, I have mouths to feed. I have people looking up to me. I have uh, goals and things that I need to do. So mm -hmm. I'm not giving you the opportunity to make right. to, to make me less than. It's, it's a bit of a discrimination a little bit. It's hard mm -hmm. uh, if you're coming out of the prison system mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, uh, be able to take care of yourself. That's probably something... Uh, that we should talk about doing something about if we can, yeah. um, you know, start at least bringing awareness to you know life after prison. Mm -hmm. You're you're here a good spokesperson for it. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the positive things that you want to talk about now that you're doing? You know, you're an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, I want you to speak up and tell us about your businesses. Okay, so yeah, man, we one at a time because you got more than one. I know, I know, one at a time. <laughs> So all of them, I will, I will preface this and say that every last one of the entrepreneurial adventures that I've gone on, that I've decided to undertake, every last one of them in some way are a service, which, which is, I, I, I don't want to say weird, but weird because I didn't intend for it to be that way. Mm -hmm. um, I think once I found my purpose in life, which was to help people, I think by extension, it happened that way. Right. So, excuse me. So um, I, I own a real estate investing company. Now, what this company is, though, it's, it's essentially mostly focusing on fix and flip um, and um, um, rental properties. Right. So but mostly um, I focus on investors. Right. And so what that means is that I guarantee my investors, anyone who's willing to work with me, the real estate company, I guarantee my investors a fixed digit double, double rate of return on their investment. Um, and if anyone knows about real estate and everything like that, or if you want to get into real estate and you may, might have a little bit of knowledge about it, essentially what that means is that whatever you invest, you get a double digit return, return on your investment. So, I mean, that's what it is, right? Um, and that's what I really try to do. I'm, 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 I want to help people with the real estate, not only help people on the retail end, like contractors, real estate agents, you know, myself and whatnot, but investors. So like, because it's hard, yeah. right? Especially for older people. I was working at, I'm, I'm going to digress for a second. Yeah, I was, I was working at Amazon, right? And you wouldn't believe how many what we will call senior citizens are working at oh, Amazon yeah. to keep ends meet. Yeah, I see them at McDonald's. Work to make ends meet. Yeah. <laughs> so I was talking to this one. I was talking to this one guy, um, and he was like, "Yeah, um, um, I, I went for retirement, but they told me that I had to work a certain amount of out. I still had to work a certain amount of part time hours, right, for me to be able to get all of my Social Security." I'm like, "What?" Like that to me is mind boggling, right? Because because I have the financial literacy that I have and know what I know about saving and investing and income and cash flow and all you know all these cash terms and on all the education, I thought that was mind boggling to me. Because for a country, for for 
a person to have li lived and been a part of a country for so long that you dedicated damn near your whole life to. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, well you reached the age that we originally wanted you to be, yeah. but now you gotta reach another age for us to take care of you. I thought that shit was crazy, part yeah. of my language. So I, I'm doing, like that's one of the reasons why I'm in real estate investment because I want investors to have that financial security. I want them to have that generational wealth that they're looking for. I want them to be able to, people in my position or other people, to be able to take care of, you know, to break those generation generational wealth curses right. and be able to take care of people that, you know, they care about. Be able to have money saved away for that rainy day or have the money, you know what I mean, for for them to go on that vacation that they were that they could never go on. Things like that. You get what I'm saying? So that's why, um, I, 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 that's the real reason why I started my investment company. So that, my investment company is called Active Minds Realty. The official business name is because it's Active Minds Realty name because the shit was way too long. But that was before I learned about it. But it's called Active Minds Realty Investment Funding, LLC. Okay. Right? So that's my real estate company. And that's what I do on that end. Um, I also have two moving companies. Right? So, well, I co-own these moving companies. Okay. Now, these are, so my real estate company is my investment money, so to say. That's what I use to invest in with stuff, right? My moving company, because, so my one, my first moving company is called B&M Moving and Cleaning Company, right? That was my first moving company. I, I originally established that with my youngest son's mom. So we co-owned that company together, right? I did that so that my son would have something to look forward to when he gets older. Not only that, but that's my mean cash flow, right? right? So my cash flow, my major cash flow is how is, is through that company because it's been established longer. Right, right. I recently started another a co-owned another moving company with my with my moving company with my two oldest son's mom. So, the, so then they would have something because because the success and the, the... So both the mistakes and the successes that I had from that company I learned from. Right. right. So with that being said, I took what I learned and applied it to yeah. this new moving company. So now it's like being and moving, but 2.0 version because I've learned all the mistakes and everything that I needed to you learn. You know what I'm thinking right now, right? What? You got two different companies... Two different baby moms. Mm -hmm. You, what? you, you good like that? Is oh. it? <laughs> <laughs> what? Like, like, like so the so BNM. So I start. We started BNM at the beginning of 2019. Um, 2019. It was a slow month. We were still working. So I, I we, we, it was a, it, it was a slow year. 2021 is when COVID really hit. Mm -hmm. That's how stuff picked up. Right. But that's also how we were able to you know, get out there, serve customers, then be able to review us and have, we have our reviews and now we have like a little name stake in the game. Right, right. The, my second one, which is called Monumental Mulata Moving Company that I co-own with, you know, um, my other one, with my other children's mom, um, we just literally started that, like I want to say two months ago. Right. So that is still off the it's still getting off the ground and still taking root. Like I think we only had two jobs with that so far. You know what I mean? But the point is I know what to do now to help that one grow. Right. right. So the point essentially is um one, to have seven streams of income. Right. So right. this is why I have this, but it's also to be able to leave my kids with something that I was uh, I was never able that I didn't have. Right. right. That my parents couldn't leave for me. Right. Um, so that's why we have that. And then my final one, which is my baby. Well, so I got two more. 
but these are <laughs> these are these are starting he got so to take many home. Businesses, he forgetting about them. These are starting. To, well, I mean, I'm not forgetting about it. I just didn't want to mention it because it's still off the. It's still, right, I'm still right. getting it off the ground. But I think it's necessary because. Um, then people can see, you know, what I'm getting into. And if you want to be a part of it, you can choose which avenue you want to choose to be a part of. Right. right? Um, so, but these are still the two babies. The baby that I'm cherishing the most is Ironborn Apparel 21. Right? So, Ironborn Apparel 21 is my athletic apparel clothing line, but we also design streetwear. Most of the art, all of the art, I design it myself, right? I manufacture it, whatever, but I design all the art myself because, like, I do that. But the concept of Ironborn is I developed the concept of Ironborn, you know, after all this, after all was said and done, primarily after the prison experience. And I did that because it was through prison that I learned um, that I became my better self. Mm -hmm. So I got this little, I got this little saying that I say, like, um, like butterflies, or like the, a butterfly is my spirit animal. And the reason why I say that is not because of how gentle and the shortness of lifespan, but it has, but for its transformational power, right? So um, I, I say like butterflies are God's way of saying that we can, showing that we can all have a chance at a second life, right? Because as a caterpillar, caterpillars crawl on their belly, they go into the cocoon and then they come out like beautiful butterflies. Yeah. So I feel like that's what the prison experience was for me. Before I went to prison, I was crawling around on my belly in the dark trying to find a way. Right. Went into the cocoon, incubated, you know, did all the necessary growth, yeah. the, the, the metamorphosis that needed to happen in order for me to come out and be this beautiful butterfly that I am today. So um, with that being said, that's, that's the premise that Ironborn was found off of. It's so... Anybody with an ironborn state of mind for me is someone who ha who has gone through trial, tribulation, and struggle, and recognized that as crucial, crucial, and vital for their for the betterment of themselves. Right. So anybody with an ironborn state of mind knows that you have to have struggle in order for you to become strong. Same, it's just like boxing and weight training. You get what I'm saying? Just like the gym. You, you got to pump that iron over and over and over yeah. until you can get strong, right? So, um, the, and so that's what um, the concept of Ironborn is, and that's how the, the apparel line was formed, right? Because I, I, I've taken something so that can be so detrimental and damaging to some and, you know, made, made, made away with it. Right. So that's what Ironborn signifies. So it's a apparel line. Um, I'm assuming you'll have... Although, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you actually say it, but we'll we'll have it on there as well. Okay, so um, the the my Instagram for the page is um, Ironborn um, underscore Apparel twenty one. So that's I R O N B O R N underscore Apparel twenty one. Um, and that's Jordan, the Jordan. You you uh, you write that down. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's the. Um, so that's um, my, my clothing line. Now, uh, the last thing I'm working on is so um, my, my media production company, okay. right? So I I love to do poetry and write, and like that's how I found my voice. Like that's how the creative side of me comes out, whatever the case may be. I do a lot of like creative type stuff. Mm -hmm. So the media production company, primary, it, it it originally started to help promote my book. So I'm actually writing a book, um, um, about the the principles and lessons that I learned from prison, I'm, I'm, I'm writing a self-help book about that. So that's originally why it was started. But then it started to take shape in a different route, 
Um, so I, that's why it's just become, become a media production company. And that um, handle is All Manic Production. All Manic. Yeah, so, um, and it's cool. You want to know the cool thing? I actually came up with the name because I believe it's All Manic or All Manic, but the way you spell it is A-L-H, like M-A-N-I-C or something like that, right? But it means um, given by God. Right, it's like an it's like a, a Arabic or Jewish name or something okay. like that. So, um, ra- essentially, what I did was make it Americanized. Uh, right, right, right. So all I did was so I changed that. It still kept the premise, but just changed it a little bit. And so it's A L L M A N I C underscore production. So that's the IG that's the IG handle for that one. Um, and yeah, so that's just to me. So once that gets developed more, and that'll come out. But these are the things that I'm playing with right now I, I have my little team of family behind me that are helping me build these things so i don't have to do it on my own but eventually you know these the, yeah, those man, things will pop it. you got a support system um yeah. and your story is is um it's original to me you know because I, i'm just hearing it but i'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that can relate mm-hmm. um that you know you're pretty much a former gang member, mm-hmm. former inmate, mm-hmm. uh, but now you're on the other side, mm-hmm. a future millionaire. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and that's it, man. Absolutely. So as a young black suburban, a young black uh, inner city slash suburban. Oh, I'm a suburban now. <laughs> yeah, suburban now. <laughs> I'm um, a suburban now. I appreciate you. I appreciate Absolutely. you, uh, I appreciate sharing you having your me. story because mm-hmm. it's going to do a lot of good for uh, everybody else. And mm-hmm. also, uh, if you're out there, Check out uh, Bayshawn, Sean Davis. What's your Instagram, your personal Instagram handle? Um, I don't have a personal. I, it, oh, oh. My personal okay. is um the is my um iron right, well, because right, it's a lifestyle. Right. You have that's it's funny because you actually helped drill that into me the other day when we were talking. It's a lifestyle, so that is my my personal handle is my is because that's how I live my life. All right. Well, if you want to get into his DMs. <laughs> you know where to go. All you can right? find me on Facebook, yeah. Sean Davis. You can find me on Facebook too, and my Twitter, um, Sean Davis, Sean D underscore um, Motive M O T I V, the number eight. Cool. All right, guys, that was the Young Black Suburban Sean. I appreciate you. Know it. Holla, guys. Check Thanks for having me.